Welcome into the Delperdang Sports Report. I am Jack Delperdang, a sports radio show and now podcast where I talk all things happening in the sports landscape. Once again, I'll be diving into college football, NFL, and then MLB a little bit at the end and let you know what's been happening in the last week or so with those sports. As always, I'm going to start with college football. And I usually did this in the past on my show, but those of you just listening to the podcast for the first time, I usually start with winners and losers from the past couple weeks or uh, even just the previous week. So I'm going to start with the losers from last week. And this one's going to go back a couple weeks. But my first loser is the defending champs. It's the LSU Tigers. Um, We knew this season that they would struggle only bringing back five players from their two-deep national championship winning team. So clearly not the same team as last year. But Ed Orgeron's crew and Bo Pelini specifically on that defense, they do not look good at all. Another loss this past weekend to the Missouri Tigers drops LSU out of the top 25 this week. They're now 1-2 and two on the season. And their defense so far this season has just been atrocious. Go back to the first week against Mississippi State. They allow K.J. Costello to throw for 623 yards, which was an SEC record. Um, And it was Mike Leach's first game in the SEC. You knew they would sling it around, and they threw for 623. And they scored 44 points on LSU. Yes, they didn't have Stingley, their uh, standout uh, sophomore corner. But still, that, that's too many yards and too many points for you to expect your offense to keep up. And then when you look at what Mississippi State has done since, that's even w- looking worse for LSU because Mississippi State goes on to lose to Arkansas the next week, who in the past has been one of the worst teams in the SEC. And that's Arkansas's only win this year. So Arkansas is not very good. And then this past weekend, Mississippi State... They played Kentucky, who had played two tough games in their first in their first two games. But Mississippi State scores two points and doesn't even register 250 yards of offense. After 623 a couple weeks ago, that's, that's just not good. And then back to LSU this past weekend against Missouri. Yes, they had a chance to win the game. Four chances with 17 seconds left and two timeouts. On Missouri one-yard line, you need one yard to win the game, and they got stopped four times, and Missouri knocked off LSU. And here's what Missouri had done. Missouri played Alabama in the first week, and they scored 19 points. And then they played Tennessee in the second week, and they scored 12. And yes, Alabama and Tennessee are both defensive ball clubs, but LSU allowed 45 points. To Missouri, who is not not an offensive juggernaut, and you got to wonder what this means. Obviously, Ed Orgeron off a national championship, he's going to be safe. Um, he's not going to get fired anytime soon because he brought them a national championship. It was their first appearance since when they played Alabama and they couldn't get anything going. Barely got past the 50-yard line in that one. Um, but I'm worried about Bo Pelini. You know, he was brought in um, to help this defense off a few good years at Youngstown State um, to help fix the defense and help to transfer it 
to the young guys this year, and it just hasn't worked out. And got to wonder if LSU loses one or two more games and their defense is the reason. If Bo Pelini ends up with a very short stay in Baton Rouge because defense just not looking good. So LSU and their defense is my first loser, not specifically to week six, but um, going back even to the beginning of the season um, so far. My second loser of this past week is the Big 12 Conference. You know, Oklahoma already with two losses. They came into this game against Texas, the Red River Showdown, at a 1-2 record. Texas 2-1 and one, um, with an early loss there. You th- I thought maybe if Texas could run the table, they'd be a team that could sneak into the playoff at that four spot. Maybe it would be between them and a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss um, SEC school. But now the Big 12, they're on, their playoff hopes are on life alert. Oklahoma beats Texas 53-45 to in this one in four overtimes. Um, and Texas now has two losses. And the Big 12 is staring a Big 12 championship game of Oklahoma State and Iowa State right in the face. Oklahoma and Texas both with two losses, both in conference. Um, Texas losing to TCU and Oklahoma and Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. And then they lost the previous week um, to Iowa State. That's right. They In Ames, they lost that game. And Iowa State's already lost to Louisiana. So I don't believe that even if Iowa State ran the table, beat Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State twice, that the committee would look at them. And part of it is because Yes, they would have beaten Texas and Oklahoma, but this year does that even mean much? Because both of those teams are going to be three losses at least. Not That doesn't even count if Oklahoma State be, beats one of them. So then one of them is going to be a four-loss team potentially, maybe even both. Um, So who knows what's happening there, but I mean the Big 12, they they're not in a good spot. I think if Oklahoma State runs the table, conference champion, they will be in. But I just think that Texas and Oklahoma have just had a bad couple weeks and that they will begin to turn it around and that they can uh, upset Oklahoma State, if not one of them, both of them, or even Iowa State. So my second loser of the week is the Big 12 Conference because of Texas beating or because of Oklahoma beating Texas, excuse me. Uh, moving on to the winners from this past week. My first my first winner, excuse me, is the Clemson Tigers. Um, from now on, the Clemson Tigers are probably going to be the number one team in the country all the way up until the college football playoff because they just steamrolled their biggest competition in the conference. The Miami Hurricanes um, went to Death Valley as the number seven team in the country against number one Clemson. And I saw a lot of people nationally were saying that this would be the first litmus test for Clemson. And boy, was it ever not. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence throws for 292 and three touchdowns, but it was really the ground game. 
Trevor Lawrence losing Justin Ross for uh, the ankle injury out for the season and then losing T. Higgins to the NFL draft, drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals with the first pick in the second round. We knew that Travis Etienne would be the focal point of this offense now. You know, Trevor Lawrence has found a guy on the outside that he likes with Amari Rodgers. I still think he'll have to find another one. But Travis Etienne, you know what you're going to get from him. He's a physical downhill running back with breakaway speed, and he's also great in the pass game. 17 carries for 149 yards and two touchdowns for him in this game, and Clemson steamrolls Miami 42-17. to So my first winner um, of this week of college football is Clemson. My other one is Georgia. I said last week on the show that I thought uh, Tennessee, that this would be a lower-scoring game and that Tennessee could keep this game close against Georgia. Um, they did for one half. The score after one half was 21-17 to Tennessee. Kind of game that I expected going in. And then Georgia just flipped a switch. Outscored them uh, 27 to nothing in the second half to run away with it 44-21. to And in that second half, that was the kind of defense that we have come to expect from Kirby Smart and Georgia and Stetson Bennett, you know, coming into this year, we didn't know if it would be Jamie Newman for Georgia, but then he opts out because of COVID. Um, JT Daniels doesn't get cleared before the first game. Their starter struggles, so they go with Stetson Bennett. And then JT Daniels gets cleared in the middle of the next week before their game against Auburn. So you don't know if it's going to be Bennett or if it's going to be Daniels or if it's going to be both. Well, Stetson Bennett starts the game against Auburn, and he shines, and then he shined again in this one against Tennessee. So Georgia unequivocally has their guy in Stetson Bennett in Athens. So that they are my second winner of the week um, here. Diving into a couple other games, start right at the top with Alabama and Ole Miss. A shootout, 63-48 to Alabama. Um, interesting one here was, uh, well, Nick Saban is still undefeated against his former assistant coaches coaching as a head coach elsewhere that continued here against Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin put up 48 points. And the interesting thing was after this game, uh, Dylan Moses and their linebacker for Alabama and Nick Saban, their head coach went on record as saying, that it just seemed like Ole Miss was always in the right spot. I don't know if they had our signals or what it was, but they always seemed to be in the right play offensively. So, something interesting there. Maybe Lane Kiffin knew something that Nick Saban didn't, but either way was not able to keep up as Alabama scores 63 points. Najee Harris goes for 206-5 and five on the ground for the Crimson Tide as they win this game by 15 points. Another game, an, another uh, ranked versus ranked SEC game between Florida and Texas A&M. Florida, the past couple weeks, their offense had looked amazing, but the defense was a struggle. And it showed again here today against Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond was able to take advantage of a Florida defense that was not in the right spots at the right time. And Texas A&M won 41-38. Kellen Mond throws for 338 and three touchdowns. And Florida can't stop the run game either, man. 
Isaiah Spiller goes for 174 on just 20 on 27 carries and two touchdowns. And Texas A&M beats Florida and Georgia beating Tennessee. Yes, that was huge for the East, but now also Florida losing to A&M. I mean, Georgia's got basically a two-game lead on Tennessee because they beat them. And then if they can beat Florida, I mean, they're basically in the SEC championship game already. They don't play Alabama on the other side. So, I mean, beat Florida, and it's a cakewalk in the SEC East for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, As I mentioned, they were my winner, um, one of my winners for this week. Now diving into week seven, just one week away from Big Ten football next weekend. I'm very excited about that. Hawkeyes kick it off at 11 against Purdue. I'll dive into who I think is going to win the East and the West in the Big Ten um, and who their potential college football playoff um, teams could be and then uh, dive into the other conferences as well. Moving into this week for the SEC, there's really only one game to talk about, and it's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it's maybe the biggest game of the season um, for anybody in in the country. Uh, as Georgia, Stetson Bennett and Georgia, Kirby Smart, go to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama, Mac Jones, and Nick Saban in this one. And it's the one SEC night game of the season, so that's going to be really fun. Brian Denny's going to be rocking. Um, I'll be sure to tune into that one. But giving my prediction here, I think that Alabama's going to win a very close game. I think it'll be... Around 31 to 27. So I think Alabama's going to win by like four or five points probably. Um, Nick Saban will keep his streak against former assistants going as he knocks off Kirby Smart again. Um, I just think Alabama has too much offensively with Mac Jones and Najee Harris. And then I'm sure Dylan Moses in that defense. Nick Saban, anytime his defense gives up a ton of points, they bounce right back the next week and 27 points for Georgia might even be generous but yeah I really like Alabama in that game I think they'll win by four or five points and they could potentially actually I said that Clemson was probably going to be the number one team from here on out but if Alabama beats Georgia and they somehow beat them convincingly I could see Alabama actually moving up to the number one team in the country um, next weekend in the polls I think that's going to do it for my college football segment here. Moving on now to the NFL side of things. Uh, My biggest storyline so far, I'm going to start with a storyline this week, is what's going on in the AFC. I think coming into this season, pretty much all, everyone thought that the top two seeds in the AFC were going to be the Chiefs, and the Ravens, and certainly I thought that as well. But after five weeks, the top teams in the AFC are the Titans and the Steelers, which is very interesting. They were actually supposed to play two weeks ago, um, but that game got called off due to COVID. They'll play later in the season. But the Titans and the... um, Titans beat the Bills last night, which was interesting. But the Titans and the Steelers both being undefeated. I mean, I I personally 
thought the Chiefs-Ravens was going to be the AFC Championship game. But, I mean, if either the Steelers or the Titans get the number one seed, that means that the Chiefs-Ravens could be the 2-3. And now with this new format with the extra teams, the 2-3 would meet no matter what if they both win in the next round. So just an interesting storyline there for you. Um, As we dive into what happened in week five in the NFL, starting with the Thursday night game between the Buccaneers and the Bears, uh, Nick Foles leads a game-winning drive to beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by one point. A Cairo Santos 38-yard field goal with 117 left was enough to get them over the hump. On the next drive, or on the ensuing drive by the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, I think he lost track of downs or he was trying to steal a down because on fourth down he threw a pass across the middle and it was knocked down for an incomplete pass to give the ball to the Bears. And Tom Brady put up four fingers as to say that, no, it's only fourth down now. But it was it was fourth down um, and the Bears took over and kneeled the ball uh wants to get a 20 to 19 win as they stay attached to the hip of the Green Bay Packers atop the NFC North just one game behind moving on to the Sunday games the Falcons woof they dropped dropped 0 and 5 as they lose a home game to the Carolina Panthers 23 to 16 I'm happy for Teddy Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater was a Minnesota Viking for a few years, and then he had that nasty injury. No one knew if he was ever going to play football again. He was a free agent, and the Vikings didn't want to pay him a ton of money, which I totally understand. But now he had a great five games in place of Drew Brees last year for the Saints, and he turned that into some money. And he has a Carolina Panthers at 3-2. and two, um, And the same record as the Buccaneers – and the Saints, so tied atop that division, are the Carolina Panthers. So good for Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. The Raiders beat the Chiefs in a high-scoring game. Um, the Chiefs only scored eight points in the second half. This was a very high-scoring game, and a lot of the scoring came in the first half. Um, with Derek Carr outdueling Patrick Mahomes, did not see that coming. I thought that the Chiefs would end up running away with this game. But give Derek Carr credit, 347 yards, three touchdowns. It was a breakout game for Henry Ruggs. He went over 100 and also had a touchdown. The Raiders' offense is going to be able to keep up with teams. Their defense is where the concern is, but you know if you can score four or five touchdowns every week, you're going to win most of the time. So uh, Chiefs drop up to 4-1, and one, and they are now in third place in the AFC Cardinals and Jets um, the Jets actually just re- released running back Le'Veon Bell that's about the biggest storyline that came from that game the Jets are terrible and the Cardinals beat them 30 to 10 I will say what the Cardinals are doing they traded for Kenyon Drake in the middle of last season and he had a good six or seven games to end the season last year but he just not, does not look the same you know, 18 carries for 60 yards. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds doesn't get near the volume, and he has way more all-purpose yards. I wonder if Arizona, before the trade deadline here in a couple weeks, if they decide to flip Kenyon Drake for what they can get, maybe a defensive piece or something for a team that needs a running back, 
and then they go with Chase Edmonds on offense. Something to look forward to there for care, uh, for the Cardinals. The Steelers beat the Eagles 38-29. to The story in this game was Chase Claypool. Three receiving touchdowns and a rushing, which brought his total to four. Um, as the Steelers had an off game defensively, allowing four touchdowns, but the offense was able to pick him up with Claypool, with Big Ben, um, there on in uh, Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. The Rams beat Washington by a score of 30-10, to 10, same as the Cardinals beat the Jets. Um, Jared Goff, wow. Last year, Jared Goff did not have a good season, but this year, he really turned it around, and they're more of a pass-heavy offense now, obviously, without uh, Todd Gurley as his running back, but he's got weapons. You know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the outside. And he's got two pretty solid running backs. Or, uh, excuse me, tight ends with Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Um, the Rams look good. They're 4-1. and one, um, And they're right in the middle of that NFC West um, race. Only one game behind the Seahawks. And right now they would have a playoff berth in the NFC. Next game here, the Ravens beat the Bengals 27-3. to This one was really weird because, uh, well, the Ravens had a defensive touchdown, also sacked Joe Burrow seven times in this game. Just a dominant performance by that defense. But it seemed like the Ravens were trying to throw the ball more in this game. Um, they got away from the run really early, and Lamar Jackson threw the ball a ton. Hollywood Brown ended up with 77 yards in the touchdown, but just an interesting, the game flow of that game was very interesting to me in that the Ravens, despite being ahead um, 17 to nothing at half, even 10 nothing at the be- at the end of the first quarter, that they decided to throw the ball more than they passed in this game. So uh, something to look forward to there if the Ravens... Um, can eventually get their passing game uh, flow going here in the next coming weeks. Jags and Texans. Texans get their first win of the season behind Deshaun Watson to Brandon Cook's connection. 359 yards and three touchdowns from Deshaun. Nearly half of those, 161 and a touchdown uh, through the air to Brandon Cook's as the Texans get their first win of the season to move to one and four. Maybe the surprise game of the week was the Dolphins. And they just put a smacking on the 49ers as they win 43 to 17. The 49ers down 30 to seven at half, replaced Jimmy Garoppolo with CJ Bethard. Um, it got a little bit better, but not much um, as the Dolphins destroy the 49ers and the 49ers do not look good this season yet uh at all wonder if they'll go back to Jimmy G after he got benched if that was just a one half thing or if now going forward it's going to be CJ Beathard um under center for the 49ers they got Raheem Mostert back he looked pretty decent rushed for 90 yards on 11 carries but we'll see what happens with the 49ers quarterback battle going forward the Colts and the Browns, the Browns, man, they continue trucking along. They moved to 4-1 and, and still 
right at the hip of the undefeated Steelers in that division um, as they went 32-23. to Kevin Stefanski is getting exactly what he wanted out of that offense. You know, they don't have Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson have been more than serviceable in the week and three quarters since Nick Chubb's injury, and Baker Mayfield is just playing off of that. Baker Mayfield is an awesome play-action passer, and with the Browns being able to run the ball so much, um, that is opening up the play-action pass to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. over the last couple weeks, and Baker is taking advantage. The Browns look very good, and we'll see once they get into division play how they stack up against the Ravens and the Steelers in that division, but I think they can compete. And I think the Browns are a team that can get a playoff bid in the AFC. The heartbreaking game of the day. Prayers go out to Dak Prescott for a speedy recovery um, as he had a really nasty ankle injury in the fourth quarter of their game against the New York Giants on Sunday. Um, Indy Dalton came in. Um, and the Cowboys got a couple field goals to tie it and then to win it with no time left from Greg Zerline um, as the Cowboys improved to 2-3. and three. But that was not the main storyline of the game. As I said, Dak Prescott left the game, already had surgery that night. He will be out the remainder of the season. And, yeah, prayers to him. And this is why I don't like the franchise tag because Dak Prescott had – Four great seasons for the Dallas Cowboys. He won three playoff games, which was more than Tony Romo in his career. And Tony Romo was there for a long time. And the Cowboys didn't want to pay him. Cowboys wanted him wanted to give him a one-year deal, betting that he wouldn't have a great season and that the price tag would be able to come down. And you shouldn't be able to do that. The franchise tag is just not fair because potential injuries that can happen and Jerry Jones won. If his idea was to keep Dak Prescott as his quarterback, he significantly lowered the price tag after this injury. And it stinks to say, but Dak Prescott lost a ton of money having to sign the franchise tag and not being able to get a long-term extension. And now he is out for the season Speedy recovery to him. The Monday night game was a barn burner between the Saints and the Chargers. Justin Herbert, looking like the best rookie in this class. You know, I was bullish on him coming in. Um, Thought he was more of a runner at Oregon, but he... I don't want to make the comparison, but shades of Patrick Mahomes already. The way he's able to scramble out of the pocket, throw the ball on the run... Doesn't have near as near the arm strength as Mahomes, but just his pocket presence and his ability to create when there is not a play there is very impressive. Threw for three touchdowns on Monday Night Football, which tied the most by a rookie in their first time um, playing on that day. But Drew Brees leads a fourth quarter comeback. They get 17 straight, 14 straight to send the game to overtime, and then a field goal in overtime on the first possession and a defensive stop to win the game 30-27. to For the first time in a long time, we had a Tuesday night game, battle of undefeated teams in Tennessee as the Bills 
took on the te- the Titans and did you uh, did you guys see Derrick Henry uh he had a play where he ran the ball out to the left and he just completely stiff armed Josh Norman into the ground said get off me and set the tone for the game really um as Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry had great games and the Titans won in a blowout actually 42 to 16 Josh Allen with his first bad game of the season after really through four games being an MVP candidate. He was in the top three for me. My top three were Wilson, Rodgers, and Allen. His candidacy for that took a major hit this past weekend as they got blown out and he played very poorly in really their first tough tough uh, test of the season. And then lastly, the Vikings. The Vikings played on Sunday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. Vikings were actually up 13 to nothing at half in this game. And then in the blink of an eye, seven minutes into the second half, they were down 21 to 13. A couple turnovers here, a turnover here, and a three and out here. And Russell Wilson found DK Metcalf for two times in the end zone in the second half as the Seahawks stole one against the Vikings, um, 27 to 26. So late in that game, one thing that upset me or that I saw was the Vikings were up by six points, 26, I don't know, five, excuse me. It's 26 to 21. And the Vikings had fourth and goal at the Seattle five-yard line. Kick a field goal to make the game an eight-point game or try to go for it and get the first down and win the game, risking that Russell Wilson can go 95 yards um, and win the game. And that's exactly what happened. The Vikings went for it, did not get it. Russ goes 95, completes two fourth down conversions to DK Metcalf in Seattle one. Another thing that the Vikings messed up on was they chased points. In the third quarter, when the Seahawks went up 21 to 13, the Vikings immediately sp- responded with a touchdown drive, but they went for two. So, and they didn't get it. They ran a quarterback draw with Kirk Cousins. So then the score was 21 to 19 instead of 21 to 20, which then later in the game corresponds to you can only kick the field goal to make it an eight point game. Otherwise, the Vikings would have won that game by kicking a field goal, assuming they made it to make it a nine point game, and they would have escaped Seattle with a huge win and a devastating loss for Seattle. But uh, they did hang on and get the win Seattle did as they moved to 5-0 and on the season so far. Moving into week six, give you my predictions for what's going to happen this next week. Starting on, uh, I guess there is no Thursday night game. Uh, so we'll start with Sunday. Uh, the Vikings play the Falcons. I think the Vikings are going to win this game. Uh, Dalvin Cook out. He actually got hurt. Um, in the last game, he is probably not going to play in this game. But Alexander Madison looked very good. That was another point for the Vikings. Alexander Madison and Adam Thielen were the bright spots for the Vikings on Sunday. I think they will be again. Play keep away from Matt Ryan in that offense. Um, we've seen the Falcons do not have a good defense. So the more the Vikings have them on the field, the better. And I think that favors their run game. Give me the Vikings in that one. Titans and the Texans, battle of interdivision squads here. I like the Titans. 
You know, Ryan Tannehill, they got A.J. Brown back last night. Johnny Smith looks really good. And uh, Derrick Henry, of course, um, in the backfield. This one probably a blowout um, over the Texans. Give me the Titans in that one. Colts and Bengals. The Colts dropped a tough one to the Browns this past weekend. But as I said, I think the Browns are a solid team. And I think the Colts bounce back here. Colts have a pretty good defense. They'll be able to confuse Joe Burrow in this one. And I think the Colts win. Broncos and Patriots, a makeup game from last week when they were supposed to play, but they did not due to COVID. Um, I just like the Patriots' defense. They had a ton of opt-outs this season, but their defense is rounding into form, and we knew they would with Bill Belichick. So give me the Patriots in this game over the Broncos. Not sure if they're starting Driscoll or Rippon. That has not been announced, but either way, I like the Patriots. Battle of the third and fourth place teams in the AFC East between Washington and the Giants. Um, neither team is very good, but I'll take Washington in this one because I think that uh, Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin are going to make the difference for Washington. Ravens and Eagles. I like the Ravens all day in this one. Um, the Steelers defense had a couple takeaways against Carson Wentz, which is what they have struggled with, and that's exactly what the Ravens have done all year. They have the most takeaways in the league so far, and I expect that to continue with Carson Wentz being turnover prone so far, and the Ravens will get the win. I got the Steelers over the Browns. As I said, big test for the Browns coming up, but I do like the Steelers because they are at home, and I like their defense a little bit more. They'll be able to stop the run game of Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson and make Baker throw it, and I think they get a few turnovers. Bears and Panthers in this one. Uh, give me the Bears. I think the Bears move to 5-1, and one, continue to look pretty good. Um, Lions and Jags, again, battle of neither team very good. I actually like the Lions in this one over the Jags because of Stafford. I think he outperforms Minshew. Jets and Dolphins, give me the Dolphins. The Jets have no offense and they have a bad coach. Miles Gaskin and Ryan Fitzpatrick should both have field days against them, and I think the Dolphins win in a blowout. That's probably my lock of the week, uh, honestly. Green Bay and Tampa, battle of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, the two legends, um, the first time they're going to face off in their careers. Give me Tampa because they're at home. Um, Packers... Not sure if they're getting Devontae Adams back yet this week, but that would be huge if they did. I think that uh, Tampa getting Chris Godwin back to go along with Mike Evans will be big, and I think Tampa can get the win. Rams and 49ers. If you asked me about this game after week one and two, I would have said the 49ers. But now give me the Rams. No one knows who's going to start at quarterback for the 49ers. And with uh, 49ers defense not looking very good either, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods should both have good games and give me the Rams. Another interesting one, Chiefs and Bills. Battle of 4-1 teams. Um, I do like Kansas City in this one um, to beat the Bills, to send the Bills back to 4-2 and two after winning the first four. I just think Patrick Mahomes is too much. The Bills are without Tredavious White, so they're going to struggle defensively to get stops like they did last night. And the normal Monday night game, Cardinals and Cowboys, with no Dak Prescott, as I mentioned, out for the season. 
I do think Carolina will win this one maybe pretty handily with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, talk about, I said Ryan Fitzpatrick and other players should have field days. DeAndre Hopkins should have a field day in this one with how the Dallas defense has looked so far this season. So that's it for, uh, I think that's going to do it for my NFL segment here. Diving into baseball now here for my last part of the show. Um, Give you a recap of what happened in the NLDS and ALDS and then move on to talk about what has happened in the CS, the championship series so far. So back, um, going back, we'll start with the American, actually we'll start with the National League. Uh, the Dodgers beat the Padres in t- in three games, uh, swept a 3-0 series. Mike Clevenger left the first game early. Dodgers jumped on the bullpen of the Padres. Game two was Clayton Kershaw. He was pretty dominant over five innings. Gave up two homers in the sixth. Got a little bit interesting there towards the end of the game as Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a bomb to center field, but Cody Bellinger went up the ladder and grabbed it. Um, Bruce Dargraderall threw his glove, threw his hat. Manny Machado got really angry. Um, The home run would have been the go-ahead home run to make it um, a 5-3 game for the Padres, but the Dodgers kept the lead. Um, by four, excuse me, um, Dodgers tacked on two more, uh, runs in that game. And then Kenley Jansen almost blew it, but they brought in Joe Kelly with two runs. Um, and he got Eric Hosmer out and the Dodgers won game two. And then they won game three in a blowout, jumped on the pen early again. Julio, Julio Urias was dominant. They're going to need him tonight. Um, get into that later. Uh, but the Dodgers won 3-0. The Braves also won 3-0. Their pitching has been magnificent. Uh, with Max Freed and Ian Anderson, and they don't even have Mike Soroka. Uh, Kyle Wright was even good in his last start, Game 3 against the Marlins, to complete that sweep. Um, but yeah, uh, the Braves beat the Marlins 3-0. So the National League with two sweeps. Moving on to the American League. We'll start with the series that ended in four games. Houston jumped up 2-0 in that series behind. George Springer has been amazing. If you look at his splits over what he would do over 162 from what he's done in the postseason, it's like 50 doubles, 40 homers, 1,000 OPS, over 150 runs batted in, and over 175 runs. It's insane. That dude just hits in the postseason. Um the Athletics won game three behind Liam Hendricks, three innings, um, as they won that game nine to seven. But the Astros jumped on the A's in game five and won that game to take the series. Only one game five in the division series was between the Yankees and the Rays, uh, as the Yankees won on Thursday night by a final of five to one to send it to Friday where it was Garrett Cole against Tyler Glass now in the bullpen of the Rays. This is what you paid Garrett Cole for. They got an early run from an Aaron Judge home run, and the Rays' offense was quiet for most of the game. Um, they had a home run um, in the sixth inning by Randy Arozarena, did the pod, uh, the Rays at Petco. Um, 
And then this is this is a was a storybook ending. So if you don't remember, Mike uh, Roldis Chapman uh, had a dust up early in the season where the Rays had hit a couple players of the Yankees, and then Roldis Chapman throws 101 behind the head of Mike Brasso, ended up striking him out, and the bench is cleared. Uh, nothing nothing physical happened, but they had some words. Mike Brasso comes up in the eighth inning with two outs and hits a home run off of Roldis Chapman to make it a 2-1 game, and they close the door on that, and the Rays beat the Yankees to advance in five. Moving on to the championship series and what has happened so far, start with the American League. Uh, game one, Framber Valdez was really good. Uh, this this series in the American League has been all the games have been close. Um, the Rays are up three nothing in the series, um, but a two one win by the Rays in game one, and then a four two game win in game two, and then last night a five two game. The Rays just get timely hits. Their bullpen has been locked down, and Jose Altuve. Has two home runs in the series. Game one and game three, he hit home runs in the first inning to give the Astros a lead. But my man has the yips at second base. He is making error after error after error. He's made three in three games. It costed them in game two. Lance McCullers was phenomenal in game two, except for the first inning. He walks a guy with two outs and then gets a routine ground ball to Jose Altuve at second, and he throws it into the dirt. And then Manuel Margot hits a three-run homer to make it f- uh, 3 nothing. They get one off the bullpen later and win 4-2. And then they're up 2 nothing. So not much you can do there for Lance McCullers. And then last night, uh, close game again. And runner on first with one out. Ground ball to Jose Altuve. Tries to turn a double play. Spikes it into left field. Rays end up getting three runs out of that as they had to go to the bullpen after Jose Urquidy was pretty good, and the Rays won 5-2. to two. Um, The Rays not relying all on Castillo, Fairbanks, and Anderson, which has been interesting. They've used Aaron Loop in there. Ryan Yarborough pitched multiple innings last night. And, yeah, the Rays have been, the Rays have been super impressive um, as they go for the 4-0 sweep. Wow, they would be able to get some major rest if they could do this. It's Tyler Glass now against Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke has had two bad starts this postseason. Tyler Glass now has had two good starts and a game five where he threw two innings on two days rest. Um, But he's back on normal rest here for the Rays, and I expect that they'll probably close it out tonight um, and win in four. Um, Moving on to the Dodgers and the Braves, which is the other – the National League uh, Championship Series going on. Game one was a pitcher's duel between Walker Buehler and Max Fried. Walker Buehler goes five, gives up one. Max Fried goes up uh, goes six, gives up one. Both guys really dominant. Uh, high pitch counts, though, because those guys both like to strike out a lot of guys. Um, so their pitch counts get up there, and both teams are good at working walks and getting timely hits, but... The Braves, or it, go, it ends up being a 1-1 game in the ninth inning as Victor Gonzalez in the eighth inning for the Dodgers got out of a bases-loaded two-out jam. Uh, and then 1-1 in the ninth. Dodgers bring in Blake trying in to face Austin Riley, and he hits a bomb. 
And then Ozzie Albies hits a bomb later in the inning, and it's 5-1 Braves, and that game was over. In game two, oh, Freddie Freeman, by the way, uh, has been amazing. He had a home run in game one, a solo home run, and he had a, a two-run home run in the third inning of game th- game two, and that dude's going to win MVP. And at some point, the Dodgers just need to pitch around him or something. But in the second game, uh, Tony Gonsolin only goes four. Ian Anderson only goes four, so less of a pitcher's duel. But the Braves in this game uh, jumped on Tony Gonsolin uh, after he was perfect through three innings. They jumped on him in there uh, in the fourth inning. Freddie Freeman hit a two-run home run. And then uh, in the fifth inning, they scored four runs. Uh, Gonsolin inherited a couple base runners for Pedro Baez. He gave up a few and then one of his own. As the Braves took a 6-0 lead in that game, added one on, added another one in the seventh on a Christian Pache double. But then the Dodgers came storming back, man. Seventh inning, Corey Seager, it's a three-run homer to make it 7-3. And then Dodgers used another lefty. Why are they – I don't have no idea why the Dodgers are using left-handed pitchers out of the bullpen to try to get Ozzie Albies out. That dude absolutely rakes from the right side of the plate. It has not worked. Um, the other night it was Jake McGee. Last night, Adam Kolarik. But Ozzie Albies ends up getting a very much-needed uh, home run in the top of the ninth to make it 8-3. to three. And in the ninth, the Dodgers made a lot of noise. Corey Seager doubled home Mookie Betts. Max Muncy hit a two-run homer. Will Smith gets on after an error, gets on by an error from Albies. And then Bellinger has a triple. And suddenly the Dodgers have the tying run at third with two outs in a game they had no business winning. Braves bring in Mark Melanson for the second straight night. Uh, Will be interesting to see if he's even available um, but A.J. Pollock grounds out to Austin Riley, and that was the end of this game. Um, I said that I think that the Rays are going to win tonight to win the series in four. We'll see what happens there. Um, but I don't I don't think this Dodgers-Braves series is over. Still got faith that the Dodgers can come back in this series. The depth of the Dodgers in playing seven games in seven days is what I thought would end up having them take this series in seven. I think they have a very favorable matchup today and tomorrow and maybe even game five. Today is Julio Urias, Kyle Wright. I think the Dodgers end up jumping on Kyle Wright early in the game, uh, get a few runs, get Julio Urias the lead. We saw what he did with the lead against San Diego. He was able to pitch freely, and when he's pitching freely, Julio Urias is blown gas by and He's pitching very well. Tomorrow, Clayton Kershaw on the mound against a bullpen game for the Braves and then probably Dustin May in game five against a bullpen game for the Braves or they bring back Max Freed. Probably depends on what happens in these next two games. But I think if the Dodgers win the next two games, they put a lot of pressure on the Braves and show that their depth is why they could win this series. Um, And I think that the Dodgers end up winning this series in seven games to set up a Dodgers-Rays World Series where the Rays would be, it'd be really close, but the Rays would be very much more rested than the Dodgers, having played three less games in the CS. They would travel to Arlington ahead of time, um, get used to the ballpark and whatnot. I think that's going to do it for me here today on the Delperning Sports Report. 
I'll be back next week from 11 to noon here on Mavradio.fm. But now if you missed any of today's action, you can find the Delperang Sports Report on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time, take it easy.